0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Gang, before we get into it real fast, the Practice Manager Summit is coming up on us. It is February 11th through the 13th. It is only open for practice managers. If you are a practice manager, I'm about to introduce you to your tribe. You should come and be a part of this. We should, we're should. we going to talk about uh, only practice manager stuff and what it means to be a successful practice manager. We're going to mentor each other and support each other and learn from each other, and it's going to be amazing. So that is February 11th through the 13th. Uh, that is... 2 dollars for Uncharted members and $3.99 for non-members. All are welcome. And then if that is not your bill, or even if it is, but you want to do something else, February 17th, we are doing a quick workshop, 90 minutes. It is called Instant Team Buy-In, The Lean Board. Uh, Dr. Mark Nunez is going to walk you through what he does in his practice. It is an awesome tool. Uh, replace your suggestion box with something where people can bring up ideas, get them fleshed out, get them discussed, get them implemented if they uh, fit the team priorities. But make people feel heard, make them feel bought in, and get ideas from your people that you can use and make your practice better with. So that is called Instant Team Buy-In. It is February 17th. It is free to Uncharted members. It is $99 to the public. Gang, without further ado, let's get into this episode.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
0: And we are back. It's me! <laughs> And Stephanie, I have a very particular set of skills, going. <laughs> That's
1: a good one. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: so fun. Oh, How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, kids are back in the school. Uh, my wife just started back teaching the semester uh, in college that she does. And uh yeah, things are things are rolling along
1: here. How about you? Yeah, things are things are good. I uh how's you know, how's the new job? The new job is great. <laughs> Thanks for asking.
0: <laughs> yep, just checking.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's really good. Uh, you know, I, I've had my first couple of days. Uh I've gotten I've gotten the first, oh my gosh, there's so much work to do, phone call out of the way, so I feel really good about that. And things are <laughs> Things are winding winding down, uh, you know, in the clinic and I am looking forward to making a new normal and uh, it's good. It's good. The kids are, you know, in school and it's um, I kind of forgot about um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday. And so they were like, we have no school. And I'm like, what do you <laughs> you're, mean you have like, no are, school? What are you doing
0: here? <laughs> yeah.
1: and, they, and they're like, uh, what do you want us to do all day? i don't know i gotta work (laughs) let's figure something out but it's it's been nice we've had a little bit of sunshine last couple days in washington which is uh you know we've had weeks on end of torrential rains and so it's it's been it's been a good few days so i
0: i gotta tell you a story uh (laughs) my wife and i were running around And and we were like crazy getting dinner ready and everything and uh, or breakfast ready trying to get trying to get the kids to school and all that sort of stuff, and my daughter my youngest daughter who's nine has got um has got toast and so so it gets so I guess it gets pushed down uh, and then it it pops back up and uh-huh. but it didn't look toasted sticking it out of the, the, the toaster and so my wife like swoops past doing twelve things at once and and smacks the uh, the arm to take the toast back down. And it bombs back up, and my my daughter Hannah gets the toast out, and and Hannah's just stand just standing there looking at her toast. You know how your kid just stands at some point uh-huh. and you're like what are you doing? <laughs> Move! We're trying to get to school. And so uh, <laughs> so my wife goes, "What are you doing?" And Hannah goes, "My." My toast is burnt. And my wife goes my wife goes, no, it's not. And what she was thinking was, like the toaster is set to a very specific place right. and it always works exactly the same. And she goes, No, it's not. And the look on Hannah's face as she held up this piece of toast that was clearly burnt black. <laughs> It just—it was like it was—it was like I was like, "Welcome, welcome to the working world, kid." It's like it's when you're like, "This is this is terrible," and they're like, "No, it's not." And you're looking at this dumpster fire, like, "I swear it is. It's—I swear this is broken."
1: Right? And, oh, that's fantastic. Like, oh, just
0: her face <laughs> looking at this burnt black piece of toast, and her mother going, "It's fine." No welcome to the grown-up <laughs> world Hannah oh yeah totally. oh I laughed so like it was one of those things where at the time I, I did not say anything right <laughs> and I was like I'm afraid of it. but that night in bed I told my wife about her face and oh and I laughed so hard and so did Allison it was just like I love my wife to death I love her so much but it was God like, you know how it is you're just trying to keep you're trying to keep things going And it just reminded me of when your employee says, This is clearly broken. And you're like, It's fine. fine. (laughs) Make it work. And they're just looking at the dumpster fire, going, It's not fine. I don't understand why you say that. And I'm like, Oh. Welcome to grown-up life, nine-year-old girl. <laughs> oh, that's
1: that's so fantastic. Funny. Speaking of speaking of grown-up life, we got a good question this week in the mailbag that is a question that we have had before, and so I think this one poses it in a nice way, and I thought we could tackle it. So we got uh, an email from underpaid and overworked. And they asked, they said, I was curious if you guys had any advice for licensed technicians on how they can make themselves more profitable to their clinic to show their worth when the clinic that they're working at doesn't seem to see worth in having a licensed tech. I'd also like to know how we can approach our boss or a practice owner to request a raise. I'm very underpaid in my area. I know that our clinic does very good things for us like paid vacations, C.E., scrub allowance health insurance and even a 401k which seems to be very rare in veterinary medicine other clinics in the area provide higher wages but in all honesty i don't want to leave what do you guys think how can i get there sincerely underpaid and overworked where do we start with this one how do
0: this we... is this is a super common one yeah, um totally. totally and it's so let's start before we even can get into headspace let's start talk broader uh truth of vet medicine and worth so you know credentialing in veterinary technicians is um i'm gonna say interesting issue right because we we say to our assistants like you should go get this degree and they're like okay it takes two years uh how much more will i get paid and we say no no none, (laughs) none no more and like okay well what will i get to do uh, basically, the same thing that you do now. I'm like, oh, and this is a good idea. You're like, oh, yeah, totally. And that's, I laugh, but like, that's what the reality seems to be for a lot of people. And I feel yeah. like that's really sad. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not trying to to be down on credentialing. No, don't, don't get that. Don't get that impression at all. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. But I do think that it is not uncommon for technicians to go and they invest in this education and they get this training. And then a lot of times they they don't get to use it, and there's no direct benefit of compensation. And, you know, if you go to um, Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, and say, this is what I paid to get a degree, and this is what I make. And he would say, that was crazy. Why did you do that? You know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because they look at it from a purely financial standpoint. I think we know that vet medicine is more than, than finance, and that's not why most of us get into it. At the same time, there are... There are financial realities of what we pay for an education and what we need to to make and earn to make that a worthwhile sacrifice. And yeah, and the sad thing is that it is not uniform across our profession. Right. That that credential technicians come out ahead or that they get uh, you know treated comparably to to what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think that overall we, we I just need to put that down and be like. This is a very case by case basis, and each hospital is very different in how they utilize technicians and what they pay technicians and things like that and so um yeah, i just I just want to put that on the table at the very beginning of like this is kind of one of the weird things about credentialing. all practices are not created equal if yeah. you're a credentialed technician,
1: well, yeah, all practices and certainly not all all states, and I know you know it's mm-hmm. a it's a fight that a lot of our um, mutual friends and colleagues who are credentialed and licensed technicians have been fighting, which is the, the huge headache and frustration that, you know, you have some states who are like, we don't do anything. And other states that are like, we have very clearly defined rules and regulations about, you know, what, what licensed technicians can do and what they can't do. And we have laid out how you're going to leverage them and the extremes are are super super frustrating to to see, and I can only imagine living in a part of the country, uh, because I've I've always lived in states that have been the latter, where there have been very clear rules and regulations and techs are. Um, it's laid out how they can be leveraged. Um, and so I can only imagine living in one of the States in our country where it's like, we don't care one way or the other. It's not required. You can do whatever you want to do. There's nothing in the, the medical um, or practice act that, that says otherwise. And they leave it up to the doctor's discretion. And then you get all of this, you know, you get, very much what you said which is that every practice does it completely different <laughs> completely differently right and and that's super super frustrating and i think the other point that you brought up is a really good one which is that you're investing this time and energy into a credentialing program and and then what do you get out of it when i started in veterinary medicine i all along i i have felt like we underpay our paraprofessional staff in this industry at times at appalling levels however when I started in veterinary medicine licensed technicians that I worked with were making double minimum wage and because minimum wage was significantly lower than it is now and what has happened is as minimum wage has gone up which should the rest of the wages have not gone up commensurate with that and so Mm -hmm. now I see it I see it for what you just said which is that if I if I was looking at it now and having gone to tech school when I did, it made sense. I was like, I could, I could double, double my wages. (laughs) Like that, that makes sense to me to invest in, in myself in that way. Now, if I looked at it there, I don't, I don't think I would, I don't think I would do it because there's a lot of hurdles you have to get over to feel like is, is this worth it from a, uh, from a personal level? And a satisfaction level, yes. And that would be a hard battle to fight. But from a financial level, looking at it and going, well, yeah, I could do this. And I could literally make, you know, a dollar an hour or two dollars an hour morning," You know, you're right. People on the outside would look at that and go, that's crazy. Why would you do that? So yeah. um, I think that that's a big piece of it.
0: I heard recently a conversation where um, a technician went to the manager and said, hey, when I came on board X number of years ago, the minimum wage was $10 an hour and I made $20 an hour. And now the minimum wage has been raised to $15 an hour. I would like to make $30 an hour so that I'm making twice minimum wage. And there's a big discussion that, that went around that. And I don't know what the resolution was to the situation, but I don't think the technician's wrong to have those thoughts. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just, and I just thought, I, th- I thought it was very interesting that that's how they saw it is I make twice minimum wage. Well then people go, well the minimum wage needs to be higher. And this person goes, well I need to make twice of what is now the minimum wage. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not arguing that's right or wrong. Um, and the other thing I want to say right here is I think you and I have probably given the impression this is going to be a, you know, like an anti-management ownership podcast. And it's not, you know what I mean? Like I'm saying, I, I know why technicians get paid what they get paid. It's because of the financials of the practice and what we charge for our services and things like that. I, oh, yeah. You know, let me be really clear. And, and we have to put this on the table at the beginning. I do not ascribe to the fiction of a rich veterinary practice owner that's hoarding all the money while paying the technicians as little as they possibly can. I, I don't believe that that's reality. I think everybody is kind of trying to do their best, and and I think there's changes that we can make, and I think we need to to talk about about fixing certain aspects of our profession, uh, technician salary being one of them. But but I don't want people to be like, oh, and I'm turning I'm turning this off because it's just going to be talking about how. Vets don't pay the tax what they're worth. That, that's that's not it. It's a more complicated issue than that, of course. And so that that's anyway. I, I think laying all that stuff down of there is um there is an educational requirement for our credential tax. Mm-hmm. There are the economics uh, of of our society at large and what people are paying and those um those numbers coming up and and our technician salaries going up with them. And but then there's also the other side of the of the the hospital saying. Where does this money come from? And, you know, and, and, and Mm -hmm. how do we, you know, how do we pay them? You know, I I think, I think it's a bit of a naive headspace to say they just write the check. Well, it has to come from somewhere. And and that's why I love this, this email that we got. And the request was, how do I generate revenue Mm -hmm. to, to pay for myself? And I'm like, that is a very mature way and an insightful way to look at this is, okay, how does this work for everybody? And I really do think that that is the, bedrock of a productive conversation Mm -hmm. totally totally let's get into headspace okay want to yeah let's do it all right sweet um i think you and i've talked about this a number of times and what the first thing that the two of us always come to when we start to talk about money conversations salary conversations is we've got to take emotion out of this Mm -hmm. and the danger with money conversations any money conversations the danger with money conversations is that we have this innate uh, habit of tying monetary value to our self-worth. Mm-hmm. Right? There is something about saying, I'm a $20 an hour employee, and you're a $15 an hour employee, and she's a $35 an hour employee. She must be so much better than us. Right. And, like, that's not that's not true. That's not how this works. You know, th- those you cannot... Let yourself fall into the headspace of what I am paid is what people think of me or how they see me as a person. Great. And I make the least money in this room, which means that people think that I am less than everyone else. And I, 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 that's not a productive headspace. I, I think anyone who's been in management will tell you that's not a true headspace, you know, but I, I, it is very easy. To have a money conversation turn into a self-worth conversation, and then the flaming, raging swords of justice come out across the room, because everybody's got one.
1: Right. And, you know, and management's (laughs) got
0: one, and the techs have got one, and then the vets with student debt, all of a sudden they're pulling their Mm -hmm. swords of justice, and, like, the whole thing just goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And it's all because um, emotion and self-worth get tied up in money conversations, and so Step 1 in being effective in a money conversation no matter what it is is you have got to separate self-worth and and generally emotion from the conversation and try to look at this just as objectively as possible.
1: Yeah, and I think I think when I zoom out this is very similar to the conversation with the team about being hesitant to talk about money with clients when it comes to medical care. When you zoom out to a big level, the fact is people are we- people are weird about money. Everybody mm-hmm. Everybody was raised looking at money and valuing income in different ways. And it is very personal. And for some people, it is more personal than others. And everybody has their own take on it. And so it is it feels personal because people take money personally. And so you have to, you have to take the personal out of it. And I think that um, underpaid and overworked, like you said, did a very good job because they started with some very strong foundations in their ask about like, I'm looking at this from a non-personal perspective like these are Mm -hmm. these are the how you know how can i generate more revenue these are things that we are getting and so they are seeing they are seeing it from that perspective but the number one probably coaching question that i have ever been asked by my teams is i need to talk about what i make and i don't know how to start that conversation and so they they people everyone i i have done it um it's mm. it's a hard conversation to have and we struggle with it because sure. it feels so personal and it feels like you feel small. You feel like I'm, sit- <laughs> I'm sitting on the opposite side of the table at the principal's office when you have to a- have a qu- conversation about it. And I think that your point is hit it on the head in a way that I hadn't really thought of, which is that. It is tied to our self-worth and our self-identity for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so um, if we don't have the capacity to kind of zoom out from that, it definitely feels significantly more personal.
0: Oh, it it hits a lot on and bear with me here. It hits a lot on the same buttons as asking someone out on a date. When you go and you say, I want to talk about the money conversation. I want to talk. I I feel like I should get more money. Okay, It's because it's It's some of those same fear buttons of saying, I'm opening myself up to rejection at a deep level. Got it. I am coming to you and saying, I think that I am good (laughs) and, (laughs) and you might tell me that I'm not. And what will I do with that information? If you say it, you know, and again, that may not be the truth for everybody, but I do think that when you start talking about why that conversation is so scary. Mm hmm. It is kind of that. There is a, there is a, it, you're opening yourself up for rejection by saying, I think that I should get this. And you're asking someone else, and they might say, no. No. Yeah. No, you're not mm-hmm. worth that. Yeah. Or no, you're not going to get that. And so that, so I, I think that's where a lot of it comes. So I think it is a highly emotional state. And the more that you can separate yourself from that and go, look, we are, this is a game, and everybody's got their pieces, mm-hmm. and everybody uh, wants the best outcome, mm-hmm. and we just need to. Renegotiate how we share the pieces around the board, and if you can get yourself into that headspace and not take it personally, and also, and we'll talk about how to not take it personally. But if you get yourself in that headspace, then you can have a productive, non-emotional conversation that is, gives you the best chance of a good outcome. And 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 we'll, I mean, we'll we'll walk all the way through that conversation in this podcast. Like I am totally comfortable. I'll tell you exactly kind of how I would open up those those conversations. I
1: love it. What else? What else do we have to consider from a headspace perspective? Cool. All right, headspace number one:
0: don't take this personally. And the way to not take it personally is make sure that you're safe to have the conversation. We talk about safe, right? So for us, safe is, um, can you smile at this person? Can you mm-hmm. sit next to them? Mm-hmm. If you are so triggered right now because you just found out that Natasha makes $5 an hour more than you, Natasha is terrible at her job. <laughs> if you are that, that, do not go have this conversation. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. If
0: you cannot sit next to this person, if you cannot smile at the person you're going to talk to about your uh, compensation um, setup, mm-hmm. do not have this conversation. You cannot go in there triggered. You're just going to set things on fire and there's going to be a sort of justice fight because, um, you know, the other person is going to immediately feel attacked and they're going to feel, you know, like you're accusing them of. You know, so I, like everybody's hackles go up as soon as there's emotion in the room about money, and so just don't don't have the conversation. So yes. safe. Can you smile at this person? Are you assuming good intent? I think that that's key. In order to be effective here, you cannot go in there with the headspace that this person is screwing me over. Yeah, this person is holding out on me. This person is disrespecting me. I mean, any of those things, and you're toast. You can't you have to go in there with a the headspace of this person is trying to run a good practice and take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to do. And they don't know my mind and they don't know what I need and they don't know my expenses and they don't know my bills and they don't know my rent and they don't know my goals or my dreams and where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to become and how I see myself in five years or 10 years. They don't know any of those things. They're just trying to do the best they can and to run a profitable business because that is part of their job as the manager or the owner, right? Like they're not bad. They're doing their best. And if you can have that as part of your mindset, you're going to be in a better place to have this have this conversation, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: F, how has this person been set up to fail? Or what here is my fault? I like that, you know. And again, it puts it on you because it's something actionable. And we'll talk about it when we get in the conversation. Like, how is this my fault? And it's like, well, maybe I have not communicated that I want to do more. Maybe I haven't... Um, Made them aware of the skills that I have. And again, you go, well, that seems contrived. That's fine. I really do want to come up with all the things that I could do or could have done to uh, to bring us to this position. And one, it helps me to see the other person as a human and say, you know what? They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Right. Let's go talk about this. And so part of it is me getting the headspace of, I'm not perfect. But another part of it is I'm going to use these things when I go and talk to them to make them not feel judged and say, look, I have I had have some ownership in this in this position as well. Mm-hmm. And um, but, yeah, that's that's the the F. And the last one is E. What is the uh, what is the end result that you want? It's like, OK, when you go and you say, I want more money, I, did, I as, a, as a business owner, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> You're like, right, well, um, here's a, uh, let's see. I'll see what's in my wallet. Um, like. What do you what do you want? You know what I mean? Like, like I need some guidance from you when you say I need a raise. What are we talking about here? And you know, yeah, I, I'm looking at you going, I want you to be happy. What do you what do you need? What do you need to be happy? I think right. I think as a manager, we've all had those conversations where someone comes to you and goes, I'm not happy. And you say, "Well, what do you need? And they're like, I don't know.
1: And you're like, I can't help you. <laughs> It's totally, it's totally true. It's like when I ask my kid, "What do you want for dinner?" I don't know. Well, yeah. I can't feed you if you don't know what right. you want to eat. Do
0: like, you, do you do you want this? No. Do you want that? No. no. What do you want?
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah, totally. I think I think the E is a really is a really important part here because as a manager, I can tell you I have sat in conversations with team members where when we have talked about finances and I have asked that question, "What is it that you need?" and the answers have varied from. 50 cents more an hour that's what I need Mm -hmm. Two. I want $10 an hour more than I'm currently getting Mm -hmm. paid or or higher and so that's a huge range huge range and so as a manager like if you you come to me and you say I need more financially and and when I ask you the question well what what do you feel like you need if you don't have an answer I can't help you and the really the conversation is going to be okay I need you to go and think about that, and when you know what you need, then we can circle back to the conversation. Because from a reality perspective, as a manager, as an owner, it is very much like you said—you you're sitting there feeling like, let me open my wallet and see what's in there. Mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as the conversation starts the the wheels start turning in my head of like uh, okay where where was I out of my budget spreadsheet like do I ha- do I how much wiggle room do I have the money doesn't just fall out of a tree so where is it going to come from um and so if I don't if I'm working in a hypothetical I can't I can't help problem solve that and so that to me is is other than choosing your attitude and assuming good in, intentions when you have this conversation the E is the is the most powerful part here for me because I can help you if I know what you need, even if the answer is to say, I absolutely want you to be able to do all of the things you just told me, and I also know where we are at financially right now, and there's there's no way that I can get you there. But what I can do is help you find a position at another hospital where maybe you can get that. Like, I'd be happy to write you a letter of reference. Like, even if that's the the way that the conversation goes, I I can't have that conversation without knowing what you need. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Realize that your worth is not in question here. And we talked about that before, about sort of setting the the righteousness aside. One of the things that, that I think gets people in trouble with this conversation is, there's a, you hear a lot of people saying, you need to know your worth. And this is, I know what I'm worth, and this is what I am worth. And I think that people go in, they have these conversations, and they think that they are arguing about their worth, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're arguing about the perception of their worth, right? Which is different for every person. And so this is sort of part of the technical headspace here. It's just, just bear with me for a second. If I am um, a doctor at a three doctor practice that has a caseload that should have five doctors and I am working myself to death and I I want a raise so, so I can feel like I'm working for a reason or have my needs met. That is very different from me being one of three doctors at a practice where the caseload should support one doctor. And that d- m- that does yeah. not change me as a person. You know what I mean? I am the same person when we are short two doctors mm-hmm. as when we are overstaffed by two doctors. Right. B- but you better believe my value to the practice is is hugely different in those two scenarios that have nothing to do with me. Right. So remember, when I, I put that for forward as the example of, it's not about your worth and your value. And so know that, know that perception and circumstance are a big part of this as well. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about what the circumstance is, that can one, help you to figure out how to be more useful to the practice. Um, but two, it also, again, puts us in a good headspace where we can talk about what is important. And the last thing is when you go into this, and I, again, I love the, the note that we got and how they ask think of it as a mutually beneficial problem-solving exercise and this is just great this is the basis of negotiation in my mind so everything that i teach on negotiation comes from changing the situation into a mutually beneficial problem-solving exercise the practice owner practice manager They want to run a healthy business. Mm -hmm. They want their clients to be taken care of. They need to generate revenue so that they can pay everybody. If you can help to generate revenue and make clients happier than they have been otherwise and offer new services and they can compensate you for doing those things, that's the win for everybody. Right. If you go in with the mindset of, I need to make more money, which means you're going to have to be less profitable or I need to make more money. And that means you're not going to be able to offer the other technicians the bonuses that they were promised. Like, you know, then 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 that's a pain. You're making this a painful process. Sure. I very much want to be like, hey, I have a need. Let's figure out what your needs are. How can we work together to get both of our needs met? And that is just a much, much easier sell than "I need you to take home less money because you're going to need to give me more money." Mm-hmm. And, and that's just a scarcity mentality that, that is easy to fall into, but it, is, um, it makes your job much harder. So that's what I've got as far as, as far as headspace. I love it. Cool. Let's talk about what we actually do. Okay. Ready? Yes. First thing. Is information gathering, right? Mm -hmm. You need to do... And what I mean information gathering, what I mean is this. I need two big pieces of information. Number one, I need to do a fair compensation audit on myself. And so why I say that is this. Looking at your salary, looking at your paycheck is an easy way to say, this is what I make. But the truth is, salary, straight take-home pay, is only a part of compensation mm-hmm. that you receive mm-hmm. right and so um our our writer here mentions there's a 501k plan
1: mm-hmm.
0: right um there may be uh, health insurance there may be a ce budget there may be paid vacation days right all of those things cost they cost the business right and they are compensation and so when they uh you know and i just i put this for it as a business owner right you, you sit there and you say well what am i going to do and some places say i'm just i'm not giving my techs anything mm-hmm. other than a salary mm-hmm. and they're like here you go and the and in your first blanch you go wow that's a that's you know a lot of money coming into my bank account and only later do you realize well this place does not invest in training technicians at all like, there is no educational growth opportunity here. There is no retirement planning. Mm-hmm. There are no benefits. And the place down the road, you know, if you say, hey, what do you make per hour? And they say, oh, I make this. And they make $4 an hour less than you. You go, holy crap, that person's getting ripped off. Well, that person's got health insurance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and that person's got uh, a retirement savings account that right. gets automatically filled up a little bit every month. And, like, again, I'm, I'm, it's not about right or wrong. Right. It's about making a, a getting a fair view of what you're really getting. Cause it's easy to grab on and say, she makes that an hour and I make this an hour? Oh, that's not right. Well, she doesn't get she doesn't get to go to Orlando to the VMX conference every third year or something that you get to go do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and again, you may not want to go to Orlando to the VMX conference, but But you should at least have that in your mind of, okay, okay, these are the things that I'm getting. One of the easiest things to do is to look at your full compensation package and say, I don't use these things or want these things. And I would like to receive these things in a different way. Can I do that? And a lot of times the owner's like, I don't care. (laughs) You know what I mean? If it's if it's going, you know, if I spend it on health insurance or I give it directly to you, it's the same money to me. You know, I just I don't know what's in your mind.
1: Yeah and that's that's a really hard part because when we when we start to talk about the pieces outside of outside of um salary it becomes a little bit more problematic in terms of from a from a management and ownership perspective becomes a little bit more complicated in terms of well if you don't want health insurance i'll just give you the extra money Mm -hmm. because there are rules and and a law that we have to follow in terms of how we offer benefits and how they get applied and making sure that it is applied fairly so that businesses can't say well i'm only going to offer um, you know these things to people who make a hundred thousand dollars or more a year, or or are the you know are buying uh, shares in the company. Like there are rules put in place to protect everybody, so so that um it is equitable it is equitable when it comes to benefits. However,
0: sure, um, yeah, I, sorry, yeah, bad I, bad example on my part. No, you, no, you no. get the idea. But no, good. I'm it, glad you said that. But it bad is example good, on my
1: part. It is good, and I think that goes back to the personal conversation, which is that everybody has things that are that are important to them when it comes to their job and why they're working in a job. And for some people, the the bottom dollar that comes into their bank account when their check deposits every two weeks is the most important thing. And for other people, being able to have significant amounts of time off or being able to have their CE paid or whatever, like everything, Mm -hmm. everybody has a personal take on the total package that you get from a place and and for me the answer has become not in I think if there is flexibility in some cases it's absolutely worth exploring what your clinic can do for you. The longer I've been in this career what I have started having conversation with my team members about is look at the end of the day I we as a hospital I have chosen to offer this benefits package because I feel like it benefits the most people and yep. I completely understand if the thing that you need the most is something that we don't offer whether it's you know wages that are ten dollars an hour or more or health insurance if you don't offer it or whatever and so I completely understand if you are in a position where you have to go somewhere else to get that and mm-hmm. that's and that's a really that it, that's a really hard conversation for for people to Have And so a lot of us just a lot of people just avoid having the conversation and it. And a lot of practice owners and practice managers feel like when somebody brings up their wages, they feel like, well, if I don't give them what they want, they're going to leave. And that and that may be true. And so part of the work on the flip side of this for managers and owners is figuring out what can you do? Because the money doesn't just grow on trees, and so mm-hmm. if you're if you have a plan and you are tapped out in terms of your budget, um, you may come to the point where you have to say, "I can't do anything." And at the same time, recognizing the cost for us when we have turnover, sometimes you can move things around and make it happen. And so I think I think that's I think that's the important part about what you were saying, Andy, which is that everybody has to look at it in terms of what is important to them. And, mm-hmm. um, and figure out how to look at the whole and not just focus on the dollar that's coming into your bank account at the end of the day, because yeah. there are additional factors at play always. And you're, you're exactly right. You know, it's funny,
0: we, you and I had a conversation about this on the other side of the table, the management side, just a little while ago about, man, it is so easy to take it personally mm-hmm. when the technician says, I am going to leave and go down the road to the place that pay that doesn't have the benefits that you have mm-hmm. but that but I'll make more per hour and I the practice owners just tie themselves in knots and go oh 't doesn't that doesn't they don't they see what I'm trying to do and they don't they see that I've I've tried to set this up in the way that I think is the best for everyone and 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 how could they 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 leave and and uh, this is a criticism of me and my practice and yeah. and that's why we just start at the very beginning going you got to take the emotion out of this you cannot take this so personally yeah on on the, and, and I think that that's that's just something to, to lay down very clearly so everyone can see is it is the job of the manager not to take care of you it is the job of the manager to take care and try to balance the needs of the whole team. Mm-hmm. And that is their job. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, it doesn't mean they don't like you. It doesn't mean they don't think you're the best in the world, but they have to look at the whole team. And so that and also doesn't mean that there's not wiggle room. And that also does not mean that you don't deserve a raise. Mm-hmm. It just means that if you know that they are balancing all of these things, then you can have a more realistic expectations and you can approach this from a healthier way mm-hmm. to help get what you want and to feel good about it. And then also if you... Decide that they can't meet your needs and you can leave it. And they shouldn't feel bad that you left because you deserve to have your needs met.
1: And and I will say on the other side of the coin, as, as the team member sitting down and looking at the money, the very first time that I had a practice who did a, a compensation audit for me, it was eye-opening to me what the actual... Um, per hour value was of the things that I was getting, and I picked this practice in part because they did offer a lot of those things. And I was I had just finished grad school. I was getting to the stage where I was going to get kicked off my parents' insurance, and I had to get real health insurance for the first time. And so that was a motivator for me. I was like, I need a practice that offers, um, you know, health insurance. And so when I when I sat down and I looked at that, the the cost. Per hour, often can exceed five dollars an hour or more um, for the additional fringe benefits that a practice provides to the team. And so, when when you look at it from that perspective as an employee, if you haven't ever done that exercise or had had a practice do that exercise with you, it's well worth doing to see what the actual um, dollar value of those things are because it's really easy in the course of the year to think, well. Um, you know, I know I get pet care benefits, but how much did I really? You know, how much did they really give me when it came to my pet over this this last year? You know, and and those things kind of get lost in the shuffle. And so, doing a doing a compensation audit is is super valuable. There are industry standard forms that you can use floating out there. Uh, if you uh, search on DVM three hundred and sixty, um, for a compensation audit, you can find a, a Excel form that will help you you can plug in the information yourself or if you're a practice um, owner or practice manager who's thinking maybe I should do this for my team, there absolutely is templates out there that can get you started. But it is an exercise that I think that every veterinary practice needs to do for their teams. I do it with them whether they want it or not. But uh, if you are if you are underpaid and overworked certainly sitting down and looking at the things because they know they they mentioned that they appreciate the fact that their practice is doing a lot of those things and so sitting down and looking at what is the actual dollar amount tied to that is super helpful so that's number
0: 1 is a fair audit of compensation look at the whole package what are you what are you what are you getting mm-hmm. um, i see a lot of people who storm in uh, and they talk about hourly wage and they just ignore the rest of the package that's just that's not that's not fair and that's not accurate Mm -hmm. and so uh, you you want to be fair and accurate to your boss just like you'd want them to be fair and accurate to you yeah uh this the second part of that is what do you need right so what are you getting and then the other part is what do you need and that sounds ridiculous but it's true what is your what is your budget what what do you need Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you can rephrase this another way is what is your why in asking for this raise and I feel broke all the time. That is a why. I wonder if we can dig into that a little bit more and figure out why we feel broke all the time. And there's two reasons to do this. Number one, why is powerful word, right? Um, mm-hmm. When I come to you and I ask for a raise, if I can tell you why I need a raise or why I'm asking for a raise, that um, that is a great motivator. The other thing is, On the other side of the table there is a tendency of people to feel um judged as an employer everyone wants to think they're a good boss and everyone wants to think they take good care of their people and they do not want to think that you're there because you think that they mistreated you or they haven't been fair in the past Mm -hmm. and so if i can give you a why of why i'm asking for more compensation going forward i can take that emotion away and it makes me more likely to succeed right the other thing is when i think about why it opens up a lot of possibilities, you know, when I say, well, you know, I'm wrestling with this and maybe there's different ways that we could get to this answer. Maybe I don't need X number of dollars to pay for child care if I could have a more flexible schedule right? so that I could not need as much child care, it, you know what I mean? And then this meeting ends and I get a small raise or I get no raise and I'm super happy because the need for that raise has gone away, because I needed money to pay for childcare, right. and now I don't need to pay for childcare. Yeah, like th- that—that's my idea of of what is what is your why, mm-hmm. right? And so I'd say this is arbitrary. We were talking at the beginning of like I don't know how to open up this conversation, or starting this conversation is hard. You know was a really easy conversation is to come in and say, "Hey, I love it here. I love working here. My uh, mother just went into elder care, and I can't afford." I can't afford it on what I'm making right now and I'm in an tight spot Mm -hmm. and I, I, I need to make, I need to make more money to support my mom. Mm -hmm. And that is a super easy conversation. You know what I mean? And the person on the other side of the table goes, well, crap, you know, like, um, and they're going to say like, let's find this money. Or they're going to say, I hear you. I do not feel attacked at all. You know, this is feasible or it's not. Right. But that is a wide open conversation with no emotion that just says, My mom, my mom's in elder care and um and I can't keep paying for it. Yeah. Making what I'm making now. I think that makes the conversation super easy when you can say that. I and mean, then you heard the first words out of my mouth were, I love it here. Mm-hmm. I love being here. I want to continue to be here. I need I need more money. Um and it's not it's not emotional, not a personal attack. Yeah. But let's talk about. It. So, so yeah, that, that also comes from the why it just makes the whole conversation easier.
1: I think the other thing too, when it comes to doing your research, in addition to doing a compensation audit, I think the other thing that's really important is knowing what the baseline is in your area is really important. And so I have, I have, um, as a manager experienced having newly licensed technicians come out of tech school and they are asking for salaries that are way outside of the standard range for our geographic area. And what I found is that a lot of, uh, especially as as programs have shifted online, there's uh, programs that are national programs. And so it isn't geographic specific. It isn't region specific. And so some of the times um, information that people are coming to the table with is not an accurate representation of what is happening in our in our area, and so you absolutely like. It's funny to me every time a conversation is started in um, one of the managers' groups that I'm in, and somebody asks, "Well, how much do you pay your technicians?" and the the answers range so wildly because the cost of living across our country is not in any way, shape, or form even close to balanced. And so you will have hospitals in New York City that are like, yeah, we pay our credentialed technicians thirty plus dollars an hour. And you have um, you know, hospitals that are in uh rural, you know, Texas, two hours from NER that are like we we pay, you know, ten dollars an hour. And that's a huge discrepancy. And so one of the things that as the employee that you need to do is do your research on what is what is um happening and what is kind of of the standard in your region, that doesn't mean that things can't go outside of the outside of, you know, quote, unquote, normal or the range. But you have to know what that range is to have that conversation. Because as manager, if you just come to me and tell me, well, I think I should be making, you know, $25 an hour, because that's what my tech program said, techs are paid. That doesn't have any weight for me, because you haven't done your research. Yep, yep.
0: I No, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I love it. So let's talk about the the conversation itself. There's a couple of things that, that I just think are, this is just good for any sort of difficult conversation, right? Uh, so you go in there in the right headspace. The first thing that I want to do is lay down commonality, right? Okay. Um, these are all the things that me and the manager agree on. So let's just say that you are my boss, and I am coming to talk to you. And so I'm probably going to open up the conversation and say, hey, I know that customer service is really, really important to you. I know that patient care is a top priority. I know that um, that you invest a lot into our education and in continuing education and I I want you to know that I love that and it's one of the things that makes me really happy about this job Mm -hmm. and um and I and I love the culture of our practice and I think that our team focus is really important and I am just laying down all the things that I agree with that my manager does or all the things that I really like that I know that she likes and what I am trying to do is say subconsciously what I'm saying is you and I have so much in common Mm -hmm. right like I am not coming here and sitting on one side of the table and you're on the other side of the table and we're gonna go to war I'm saying look at all that we agree on look at how good a fit we are together and then ultimately I'm going to say I recently had to put my mom into elder care and (laughs) boom
1: and now we're into my why you know what I mean? Or, or, hey, Dr. Andy, did your mom go into elder care? Cause you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you're fixated this morning. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. I don't not know. No, mom. she did not. I did not. not. I, I don't know.
0: I'm just I'm just like it's it's just a, it's a great walk no, like totally. I feel like a super easy slam dunk of like this is it um no no, no. um you know yeah yeah. so well give me, give me a reason I would ask for a raise real fast
1: I, I love I love your your one about your child care expense or I think one that often comes to the table is for my technicians or paraprofessional staff is I want to do the I you know I want to take this class or I want to g- get into this credential program or maybe I tech and now i'm like i'm looking at going and doing my vts and i know that that's going to have a cost and i have to do my hours and i'm not necessarily going to be able to do them at work and so then am i working 40 hours plus trying to do that on top like there there are often the conversations i see are personal or professional Mm -hmm. development uh geared like and that's something that is you guys, that's something that's so easy to fix a lot of the time yep. because that's a perfect example. Like you were talking about, Andy, if you know that someone is asking because um, they are going to have to start paying $500 more a month in child care if you keep them there till six. Whereas if they get off at five and they can pick their kid up on time, they don't have to pay the aftercare fee. That is such an that is such a fixable thing.
0: Totally. Let's let's take the VTS real quick. Right. Because so we're going to let's talk about specialty training. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm going to come in. I'm going to ask you for specialty training. OK. Okay. So so know that, you know, say, how do you open this conversation um, unemotionally? But then number two, I am going to come to you with a mixture of two things of commonality of the things that you and I both agree on, mm-hmm. the things that that we share. And then I am going to come to you with things that I know motivate you. Right. Okay. So uh, the way that I would present this, the way I would ask for this is really dependent on what I know you care about. And so let's just say that you are all about the uh, patient care, Okay. right? So generally, there's three things that I find management cares about that are that are easy buttons to press, and and, and everybody's a little bit different in how they prioritize them, but sure. generally it's uh, it's patient care, it's simplicity, which means I don't want the headache, make this easy for me, right? And it's uh and it's production, like it's it's about bringing in money, and so. Is it patient care? Is it simplicity? Is it production? And so let's say that Stephanie is is patient care. I'm going to come to you and say, hey, I know that patient care is the most important thing. I know that we pride ourselves on taking care of our our clients and their animals. I know that we celebrate people who are always learning. I know that we're always looking to add services. We're always looking to be the best that we can be. Mm -hmm. I know that we're looking to be a better... Animal Hospital, then Cherrydale Animal Hospital down the road. Screw those guys. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to press whatever. I'm going to press those buttons. Right. And then I'm going to say, I would love to get trained uh, as a specialty technician in anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And I would love to, st- to stay here and to do that. And I think that uh, there's a lot of ways that we can. We could use that to elevate our patient care further to really mm-hmm. distinguish ourselves. I think that there are services that we could offer. If I was there, I'd be happy to to, to train other technicians, uh, you know, and help generally raise the 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 standard the the standard for the mm-hmm. hospital. You know what I mean? And I am coming at you speaking your love language, yeah. as much as I can. And let me say here, I'm not trying to be manipulative. These are all true things. I just know that that this is what Stephanie cares about. So mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to her about what she cares about. And so that, that's a, again, that's an easy thing for me is commonality. And then what is, what is, what is their love language? You know, like what is, what is the thing that they care about? And I'm going to talk about why me getting this thing would benefit them. If I had, if I was going to do the thing about the the childcare, I would come and I would say very much, uh, what I'm, what I'm really trying to do at the very beginning is I'm about to ask you for something. Uh, this is not you. It's me. I'm doing the It's not you. It's me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's me conversation. You know, look, I really love it here. This is, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to let people down. I want to be here and I want to be available. Right. I'm I'm in a place where because my child is now X years old, they are going to aftercare and there is an added expense to that. Right. And I'm trying to figure out how I can cover aftercare to to be able to be here for the last hour of the day. Mm -hmm. And that is something I'm wrestling with. And I want to talk to you about what is possible. Mm -hmm. And that is a really nice. I like that as a as a line to open these conversations is I want to talk to you about what is possible.
1: I love that. One of the one of the things for me as the the manager or on the practice owner side of the table, I always want to have these conversations with someone who is invested in themselves and in the team and who can tell me like what are the things that they are doing to build value and underpaid and overworked said that they were working in a practice where they felt like they they don't see the worth in having licensed technicians and if a if a technician even if that was a case if a technician came To me and said, Hey, these are the things that I love doing that I get to do because I'm licensed, or these are the things that I have learned and how I've been able to apply them in the clinic. Even if I wasn't prepared Mm -hmm. to have that money conversation, you absolutely would get the wheels turning, and I am going to be more invested just on a purely natural human nature perspective in continuing the conversation with you versus when someone says i i need to make ten dollars an hour more or i'm going to leave like those right. are those it, are two very very different conversations
0: yes things not to say right i need to make ten dollars an hour or more i'm gonna leave or you don't appreciate credentialed technicians. Yes, like that may be true. Don't say that right. because they will go what? And now you have personally a t- like you don't appreciate me. That is a that is an emotional <laughs> response, and right? That, and it's also highly subjective, which means you can't prove that they don't appreciate. Uh, you know, and in their mind, they maybe they do. And this is a stupid argument. Um, you appreciate me? No, I don't. I don't appreciate. I, wait, flip, flip that around. I do, you don't appreciate me. I do. I um don't 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 say that don't go in and say you don't appreciate credential technicians you're not using me blah 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 let's go in and talk about what is possible so let's let's wrap this up with um advice to our writer underpaid and overworked
1: well so i have a uh, i have a question for you because okay. we, you know you you were talking about finding commonality and um knowing what motivates the other side and um you know starting with Here's the things that that I care about that I have been doing. And then, you know, drilling down into the conversation of getting to the why and making the ask. Um, one of the questions I have for you is, are you going to go into that conversation without having prepared the manager or owner that that is the thing that you want to talk to them about. Are you just going to say, "Hey, can I talk to you for for you know when you have a minute and sit down when you have the opportunity to sit down in their office and have that conversation," or is your approach um, uh, the direct approach to say, I-, "I would like to talk to you about my compensation when you have some time. Can we schedule a meeting? How would you approach that?"
0: Well, I think that I think that's a fantastic question. Um, so. I do not think that if this is a mutually beneficial problem solving exercise, I think the expectation that you're going to walk into my office and say, Hey, I need to solve this problem and I will solve that problem for you and with you right this moment. You know, I I think that's unrealistic. You know, I don't know if I can pay you $5 an hour. I uh, more. I don't know what the ramifications of that has to be. I'm going to have to sit with this. Uh, I, I think that, um, I think that that is that is important. I think that's an important point. And so, no, I would probably not expect that you're going to walk in my... If you come in asking for fifty cent more raise, uh, fifty cent raise an hour, that that may we may be able to do that in one conversation. Especially if you're talking about the VTS thing, I'm not going to rubber stamp that right now, right, right. here. Like there's yeah. some decisions of things have to have to happen. So I think that that's realistic expectations, and I think uh to your point i think it comes back to the end result my end result of this conversation is probably not to get an affirmative answer my end result is probably to get the conversation started and to get them to see what is possible.
1: The reason that the the reason that the reason that I ask that is because I think that a lot of times when I've had that conversation with team members, they come to the table with the expectation that we are going to solve this right here and now. And they walk away when I say, OK, I need to I need to think on this or I need to yep. look into this and let's circle back to it. They walk away feeling like I have rejected them and I have rejected their ask when in reality, part of the conversation I think has to be the fact that it is multifactorial. And I absolutely need to look at the budget and I need to figure out like, are we, you know, what, what some are we actually talking about over the year? You know, what are, yeah. what are the, what are the pieces that have to come into it? And it's not. Am I going to walk away from this conversation and think about whether I like Jessica enough or not to give her five dollars an hour Mm -hmm. more? Like, that's not how that that's not how that works. But I think that a lot of times team members think that that's what happens. And it is it is so unfortunate. And so from the manager's perspective or a practice owner's perspective, I absolutely agree with you that um, if you come to me and you say, hey, I would like to schedule a time to talk about this it allows it to be a mutually beneficial conversation in the sense that if i can look at those things ahead of time and i can come into the conversation armed with more information than you just catching me in the treatment room and saying hey do you have 5 minutes can we go talk about um something and then you saying look i need I, you know i've hit a i've hit a point where i need more money is this going to happen or not and, and laying it out on the table that way, the conversation is just going to go so dramatically differently if I've had the ability to prepare and have information at hand that might help us solve that problem. I may still have to say, OK, I need to circle up with the practice owner or I need to, um, you know, look at some more logistics like we have to follow up to this. But the things yep. that I would say to team members are don't come at it from out of the blue because you're going to be able to have more information brought to the table if you prepare everybody for the conversation and also to not take it personally if the conversation is tabled um, because it is not a reflection of whether they like you or not whether or not they they value you enough to pay you that or not it is just a reflection on needing to be able to 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 look at the the whole picture. Which I can't do if you're sitting at my desk necessarily, yeah. right?
0: Oh uh, no, I think I think that's a, that's a fantastic point. You know, the truth is, you you walk in, you ask for a raise. I need to look at what everybody else is making, right? Like that 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 is an easy thing I immediately need to do, and I'm not going to do it right in front of you. Right. Like I need some time to sit with this. Um, what we talked about before i was like you say you don't need health insurance because your spouse has it through their job and you would like to opt out of that and have that come a different way i don't, even, I don't know i don't even know if that's legal like right. i have to you know i have to see you know, right. I, I have to see, like, what are the Is this a What if, if we do this, is it going to set a precedent and everybody else is right. going to do it? These right. are the things exactly that I was talking about as far as it's the job of the owner and the manager to balance all these things. And you have to give them some time to adjust and and to balance mm-hmm. um, and, and to process those things. The the last part I'll tag on to this. I know this, we're, we're drifting a little long here, but, um, but it's worth it. The last part I'll tag on to this is, and this is counterintuitive to some people. If you have a problem, and you like the child care thing, and you go in, you can over-prepare for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes coming with a rock-solid plan is your undoing. And so I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, my wife came to me a while back. Uh, this was in the before times, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I got really fired up about vacation and I want to go to, I'm just going to pick a place. I want to go to the Grand Canyon Mm -hmm. and we can fly into Utah and we can drive from here and we can get this and we can go there. And these are the dates and this is where we'll stay. And it will take two weeks. And my immediate reaction was not, oh, thank you for doing all of this work. You know, in this planning... (laughs) You've even picked out the rental car minivan. You know what I mean, and and it should have been. She's a a freaking saint for you know for taking her time and doing it. And it would be great, but my caveman brain did not respond that way. My caveman brain was like, I don't, I don't, you like, I don't. Two weeks, like I haven't even could say like, and I immediately start panicking because it feels like she dropped a two week commitment on top right. of me that has no flexibility. And I, and like, and again, I, I hope this sounds bonkers cause it should sound bonkers, but I hope also the emotional reaction to it is understandable when you yeah. go two weeks and like she had done so much legwork. And in fact, it freaked me out. Right. That it was like, this is the plan. Yes or no are you in right now? And if you don't say yes right now, <laughs> there's going to be consequences because I worked real hard on this. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and she, she's, not, yeah. she's not wrong. She's, she's amazing. I But I panicked.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, and right. I'm like,
0: we have to talk about this. And then, then they're like, oh. it, and I, I put that forward to say, um, you know, sometimes when we go in and say, I'm going to go to a VTS school. It starts in April and this is where I'm going to go. And this is what it's going to cost and blah, blah, blah. And you, if you come with that at the opening session, there's a chance you're going to completely (laughs) blow everyone's minds and scare the heck out of them. And they're going to be like, and they're going to think it's yes or no. Are you in right now? Right. That's not what you want. Giving them time to prep and to think and to warm up to the idea. I think that's super valuable. And and the other thing I'll, I'll just further support what you were saying about giving them time uh, one of the things that I know about myself is if you catch me and you pitch me something right here, right now, I will say no. Like my, my, and my knee jerk reaction is no, mm-hmm. you know, no, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know why I'm made that way. And honestly, I think it's probably a caveman thing. It serves me generally serves me well if I'm unprepared and I decline, that is being a lot better than being unprepared and accepting something and later on going oh crap what did i get into <laughs> um, and so i think that's why i am that way but i know i'm that way right and so but if you could but if you give me the idea or you let me know that it's coming and let me sleep on it the next day i will generally look at it with fresh eyes and go you know she's pretty great and I do see opportunities here. Right. If we can make this work. Right. And you're probably not going to get that if you corner me in the hallway. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steph, so that's, that is awesome. All right. So advice to our, um, to our writer, just real fast. The biggest, the last thing that I, that I'll leave with is this. When people start talking about, uh, do I get a raise or do I leave? And I don't want to leave. Uh, first thing is remove the emotion from it. Mm Mm-hmm. Number two is realize you do not have to make an ultimate decision right now. People are like, "Do I leave or do I do something else?" And you go, "Well, do you feel like leaving right this moment?" Well, no. Okay, good. We're not going to leave right now. Right. Let's just figure out what you're going to do next. Right. And make sure that what you do next does not burn bridges. And as long as you do that, you're fine. And so it seems bonkers to me to be like, "Do I, you, you know, you, do I ask them for a raise or do I leave?" What is the downside to asking for a raise? Right. Well, they're going to say no, and then you'll leave, you know, or they'll give you a partial raise and, and then maybe you'll leave and, right. or maybe you won't, you know, like, but you don't have to come up with all the possible permutations in the future, right, you know, just figure out what's, let, let's just go talk to them. Like I had a mentor and this sounds so dumb, but this is a phrase of his that I have held on to and I use it all the time. I would start to wind up and I'd be like, but what if they say this and what if they say that? And what if this happens and what if this goes here and what if that person, then what if other people find out and then this happens and he would say, Andy, 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 just go talk to him. Just go talk to him and see what they say. Right. And I say that all the time. I'm like, hey, just go talk to him. Just go talk to him and see what they say. And so I say to, uh, that's what I would say to um, to our To our writer Hey You got great ideas You got good points You've You know I think it's highly Reasonable for you To go talk to these people And the other thing is I think it's the kindest thing You could do Is let them know That you feel this way And give them a chance Yeah To try to work with you Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. just go talk to them And see what they say
1: Yeah
0: And that is how you ask for race And if they say Screw you Then then, then you'll take that and you'll figure out how to deal with it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you will, and you will then have options of: Do I deal with this? Do I accept this? Do I, you know, do I do I leave? And, and so you've, you'll have options at that point. So just don't don't overthink it. I love it. Awesome, thanks, buddy.
1: Hopefully, that was helpful. Oh,
0: we this may this is clocking in at probably the longest uh episode we've ever had on this podcast. Right if now. anyone so
1: if anyone's still listening,
0: hopefully it was helpful
1: <laughs> to yeah, underpaid and right. overworked.
0: Like, like the, the the person who wrote the email just woke up and was like, what? Oh, it's over. Oh, thanks. It was really nice of them to do that.
1: Uh, well and it was that's it. it was a lot. It was a very short email, but there was a lot packed into that.
0: It's a lie in there. All right. All
1: right. Have a good I'll week. I'll see you guys. next week, Steph. Take care.
0: Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. As always, the nicest thing you can do for us is what people ask you to do at all the podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. Help us get the word out so the people know that we're doing good stuff and making good stuff. Until next week, take care of yourself. Be well. Bye.